This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Mobile hunters, are you looking to make the move to saddle hunting this year? Or maybe you just want to add a few new pieces of gear or upgrade your current saddle gear. If that's the case, then head over to tetherednation.com where they've got all mobile hunters covered. Whether you're new to saddle hunting or an old timer, Tethered is your one-stop saddle shop. From saddles to ropes, sticks, ascenders, whatever it is you need, they have you covered. I've personally been using their gear for the past three seasons. Now, my base setup consists of the Phantom Saddle and the Predator Platform. And if you're wondering why, I've chosen to use their gear above all else. Here's the cliff notes. They're innovative and pushing the mobile hunting forward overall. They cut no corners and prioritize the safety and performance of their gear. They care about the community that they've created and their gear allows me to hunt free. And above all else, I like to support good people doing good work. If you're interested in upping your mobile hunting game, then head to tetherednation.com. This podcast is brought to you by Skull Brew Coffee Company. Skull Brew Coffee roasts premium single-origin coffee, guaranteeing to deliver the freshest coffee directly to your doorstep. The kicker? They're 2% for conservation certified and donate 10% of their proceeds back to organizations who support the interests of our hunting community. So go to SkullBrewCoffee.com and pick up one of their three killer roasts and fuel your hunt and fill more tags with Skull Brew Coffee. Welcome to the Truth from the Stand Deer Hunting Podcast, brought to you by Skull Brew Coffee Company. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 246. Today, we're rolling into part number three of the listener Q&A question with Greg Litzinger, so stay tuned. Happy Wednesday to you. Hope you are doing well. Hope you are feeling fine. Before we get started today, just want to give a shout out. Hope everyone out there that was affected by the hurricane and the subsequent storms that kind of rolled up through 
the the south and then up through the I guess the eastern seaboard here. I hope everyone is faring okay for those of you that aren't. Hope hope everything gets back to normal for you guys soon. We had a bit of a ripper here uh, in, in in Pennsylvania. We actually had some decent sized tornadoes touch down that just kind of you know lack of a better way to put it destroyed some areas that uh, aren't close from that aren't too far from where I live. Uh, had one touchdown not too far away. Bunch of big trees kind of blew through my neighbor's yards and stuff. We were lucky where, you know, it seemed like our 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 little house here, our little piece of property, was one of the only that didn't have you know a bunch of trees blown down. Fortunately, my my direct neighbors didn't have any significant property damage. But man, I drove um, to visit some family this over the holiday weekend and had to pass through an area that w- that's close to us. That's actually where we used to live before we bought our house. Um, that was just, you know, they had a pretty sizable tornado touchdown and just destroy a bunch of stuff. So just want to give a shout out to those, to those folks and hope everyone is doing okay. Hope their, hope their loved ones are, are safe. But with that, we'll turn our attention to deer. Um, you know, this weekend, holiday weekend, always a good time to get out and, uh, do some shooting, kind of put the final touches on things. I did the camera check last weekend, so we're all good there. We're just kind of pushing ahead to getting ready for, the opener here, which I will be kicking off on September 18th here locally, so I'm pumped for that. But uh, <clears throat> went back to visit some family, so I had a little bit more room to stretch out, and was nice because I was actually able to climb a tree, you know, get the hunting height, uh, you know, hop up in the saddle, shoot the bow a little bit. And it's always good to make some dry runs, not just shooting. Like this past weekend, I actually took all my gear and set up like I was going to do a hunt, and I made a couple climbs in a couple different trees. You know, use two stick method, you know, for some climbs used a one stick for some just to kind of get all the kinks kind of worked out, you know, start to feel like I remember what the hell I'm doing again. When I, uh, when I get into the timber and get to a tree, set up the hunting height, literally set up all my camera gear, camera arm, camera, you know, bow, everything that I would take with me for a hunt, bino harness, you know, the whole, the whole get up essentially, basically just a dry run and got up into a tree and, 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 uh, set a target out at different distances and, and just started ripping arrows just to get some elevated practice. in. I get a little bit of saddle practice in at my house, but it's really just close to the ground. It's more just to kind of feel, you know, the platform beneath my feet and, you know, remember how to pivot and just kind of have all those muscle memory things kind of come back to me, but it's always nice to get the height so you can kind of, you know, you know, whenever you're up off the ground, you know, 15, 20, 22 feet, whatever it is, you know, it just always feels a little bit different than being, you know, two to three feet off the ground. You know, you know, that, that height is uh that height difference is there. And so you maybe act just a little bit differently and you got to get used to your gear again and trust your gear. So that's what I was doing this weekend. And then also, you know, because I was back visiting family out in, out in the country, out in the middle of nowhere, I was able to set up my target and kind of shoot, you know, further distance. And I've been shooting those afflictor broadheads that I got, that I had mentioned previously, the K2 fixed. Um, and, you know, I've been able to stretch it out here at the house to around 50, 52 ish yards. Um, but back home, I was able to kind of really let some rip out to like 72 ish yards, I think was the furthest I was, that I was shooting. And, uh, you know, like I've said, like I've had plenty of broadheads that I've shot in the past that have performed well, that 30 to 40 yard range. And then after that, you start to get a little bit of weirdness with these, man, they they land right with my field points, you know, so I'm thoroughly impressed with those, you know, the, uh, I, I'm shooting the K2 125s is actually what I'm shooting. They've got a bunch of different hybrid models and stuff like that. But if you're interested in checking those out, you can use the promo code, um, truth 10 at afflictorbroadheads.com or afflictor.com rather. And, uh, check those out, save you some cash on, uh, on, on some broadheads. Uh, but yeah, that was pretty much my weekend, you know, nothing too crazy. We're just going to kind of get settled in and get ready for the, uh, been ready for deer season. I've had some buddies actually drop some deer recently, so that's exciting. It's always, 
it's always good when you start to get some of those text messages that people are starting to fill some tags already. Um, I'm super stoked for those people. Going to be honest, also just a little bit envious. But with that, we'll go ahead and get ready to jump into today's show. Before I do that, just two quick things. If you haven't picked up any coffee for your hunting trips yet, don't use shitty coffee, that instant crap. Don't let that give you the rot gut and ruin a hunt. Head over to SkullbrewCoffee.com. Pick up the pour-over travel packs. You will thank me later. You can use the promo code TFTS21 and save yourself some cash there. And what would make hunting camp even more dope than it just being a hunting camp is to rock some Truth From The Stand merch. You can do that at the truthfromthestand.com or on my Instagram channel. You can pick up some merch there, sweatshirts, t-shirts, long sleeve shirts, whatever it is that you like. Use the promo code TFTS21 and get yourself some savings there as well. Have a cool show for you guys today. This is part number three. Like I'd mentioned previously, Greg Litzinger and I did the question the uh, listener Q&A session. It went on for hours, so we're just kind of breaking this up into some digestible pieces. This is part number three of this session. And what we're covering in this one is some early season hill country hunting, which is very applicable to now, you know, some self-filming kind of do's and don'ts, if you will. You know, Greg has been self-filming for for quite a while. I've kind of dabbled here and there. So we've got some tips for you there or just some things that we're that that we're doing and maybe how to get started if you haven't, if you're considering it, but you're not just not quite sure what gear you might want to might want to pick up. And then we do a good bit about wind and thermals and tree setups and 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 then we talk a little bit about what our essential gear is when we're heading into the timber. So with that, if your hunting season has kicked off, I hope it's a killer one so far. I hope you're filling tags. If not, I hope you're at least seeing deer and and formulating a plan to have success this year. For those of us that are still waiting, just hold on a little bit longer. It's almost here. And as always, I'd like to thank you all for listening. All right. So that one's that. Um, the next one is this one. Actually, I think you should take first because... <laughs> Well, cause I think, I think you, ha- I think you'll have a good answer for it. it's, it's hunting early season hill country. So he's talking, this person is talking like early September, which I don't know where it's hill country that comes in early September, but I mean, Jersey, some spots I hunt there, they start late, not till the end of September. And I guess, you know, earliest that I've hunted it is end of September. Yeah. Um, you know, more mountains mountainous i guess mm-hmm. more steeper hill i guess not right. rolling hills more steep right um and it's pretty much was i would hunt them to set some cameras uh, camp and mm-hmm. you know just get away you know for a couple of days and pretty much trying to focus on finding food <laughs> right using the you know, terrain you know uh start at it like a deep cut in the morning and just kind of just work my way down until mm-hmm. i found you know some good cross trails and set up right but yeah early season hill country i don't really how to answer that right i mean with with good actual like hey that makes sense right yeah i mean i think anything early season just generally speaking is like they're bed to food yeah you can still get that bed bed to food so you know find where their bed is find where their food is i guess i mean I, i you know i would know where some bucks would bed you know I did a lot of scouting in the mountains, so I would definitely hunt within, you know, 100 yards of their bed, mm-hmm. you know, almost, which is far for me, you know, hunt right. 100 yards from a bed, but I would, you know, for me, hunting 100 yards from a bed or a known bedding point, if nothing comes in by 8 o'clock, then it gives me the ability to, you know, move on down to somewhere right. else, you know, and, and scout my way down for either an afternoon or, or evening sit. Right. 
Yeah, I think that classic bed the bed to food kind of pattern. I think the Dan Enfault top third kind of starts to play yeah. you know a role here. Unless it's an area that's going to get a lot of pressure, right? It, the yeah. bottoms are hard to hunt, but you know I know you know you'll see deer bed in those bottoms if they're getting a lot of pressure yeah. from the top. I think it's also where's your access yes. that time of year, right? If all your access is up top, right? And then the deer bed low, right? Exactly. So it's there's never one kind of and I, and that's the cool thing about bow hunting is there's never one kind of answer. There's some guardrails that yeah. you can use to narrow down guardrails, guardrails, but. You know, you kind of have to take into consideration like what your specific setup is, right? But early September, if it's me, truthfully, depending on where you're at, it's like if I can find an agricultural field somewhere that is adjacent to public and it's not being, it's just say it's not getting completely piss pounded by other hunters, which it probably is, but for the sake of argument, like I'm going to focus on where they're going to go there. Like that's ultimately where they want to get to. Where they're going to bed, okay, like, well, how are they going to get there? Yeah, if there's ag in the hill country, which a lot of hill country, there is some ag, especially mm-hmm. here on the East Coast. Yep. A lot of hill country has some ag. We were scouting a couple weeks ago, actually right by my job in Delaware, a lot of beans. Mm-hmm. And it was surprising how many deer were out. I saw a bunch out whenever I was driving here. Yeah, I, I, we're out at, at midday. And, mm-hmm. you know, and this is pretty populated. Northern part of Delaware is pretty populated. Yeah. And... You know, we ran across a nice buck, a couple of nice bucks. And I was like, oh, all right, because I'm going to try and shoot one of them. <laughs> the best part is like right by my job. So it's like win-win. <laughs> right, sweet. <I laughs> Leave work, go shoot a buck, and then go home. <laughs> go. <laughs> nice. All right, this next one is about filming. So this one is self-filming bow hunts. It uh, costs uh, it, it's cost them a few bucks. Are you fellas packing a camera? I got a lot of hunts on YouTube, good ones. Um, was a big self-filmer until the camera cost me too many good deer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't have any issues filming. Never had an issue. I doze box, always boom, boom, boom. Center frame, kill, looks great. $200 camera. And I upgraded to a better camera put the microphone, all that stuff on. And I don't know what it was. It was like, jinx myself. But <laughs> that camera setup just cost me so many good deer. Like, I should have three or four, you know, big deer on my wall that mm-hmm. I don't. So I'm like, yep, this, I'm out. But I'm getting back into it now, this year. Um, I feel like I need to, you know. Like, I, if my hunts are from a long time ago, you know, 10 years ago, I think the one was from, you know, it's a good clip, but I'm good at it. Right. <laughs> so I want to get back into it. Like I know, anticipate deer movement, you know, like, right. I, like, all right, I know that deer's on this trail, you know, yeah, outside of the rut, it's, it's October. It's, it's great. Cause you know what they're going to be doing. Right, like, right. He's coming here and put the camera here and I'm going to make, you know, the shot happen in, in center frame. Right. You know? So I will definitely be filming more this year. Yeah, I uh, I was filming for a little bit. Um, haven't put anything out. Um, it cost me that big one big deer in Iowa that I was trying to mess with the camera instead of watching him and trying to get a shot, and that screwed me up. It was the first time I missed him, so it wasn't like the only reason I missed, yeah. didn't kill him. <laughs> I missed him a couple times, um, but that was the first miss where I probably would have had the, where I had probably the best um, best opportunity was was that. 
Um, but yeah, I'll be, be filming this year. Um, it, for me, I always struggled with, I never had a camera arm that I liked. And so that would always be the thing that kind of like, that would, I won't say screwed things up, but I just never got comfortable with. Like I never had a camera on the likes and I never had a flu ahead that I liked. And it just always became like a pain in the ass to set it up, tear it down, to use it. Like it just, and so this past season I ended up picking up the, um, the, the Lone Wolf custom gear camera arm. And I mean, I don't work, I don't do any work with Cody and those guys or whatever. I I bought it. I paid retail. Um, it's a sucker. I know. Right. Um, it's, uh, it's a killer arm. Yeah. Like I, it's the reason why I'll film again this year. Every hunt. I'm actually going to buy from your recommendation. I'm going to buy one. Yeah. It's, it's super rock solid. It's the best camera arm, like DI, I won't say DIY, but best like self filmer camera arm I that I've ever a small used. Arm. I got an original loan, the original lone wolf arm. Yeah. It's a nice arm. It's just big and heavy. Like I have a small camera, you know, yeah. not much bigger than this, you know, my cell phone. It's like, right. That arm's just way too big, but, at the time, that's all there was, really. Yeah, know? yeah. Fifteen and, years ago, there wasn't many camera arm options on yeah. the market, so you're like, "Here, take this giant muddy or this not so giant lone wolf arm." Right. And that was it. Yeah. And this thing is killer. I even take the second. Uh, uh, I take a section out of it, so yeah. I only use two sections. Uh, I don't think you need the third necessarily. Um, I've got a relatively cheap flu head that I bought for twenty five bucks because look, I'm, this is all YouTube stuff, man, and that's what yeah. I try to tell people. It's like, you know, I know some folks that'll pack in. You know, a muddy arm. If or that's what you, your goal is to take it to that level, then you're going to have to pack in more weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, if you're like mine, you know, I. Well, even like YouTube stuff, man. It's like I'm looking at like stuff that people are doing on YouTube and like the quality you're able to get, you know, like for example, like the Hunting Public guys, right? They do a lot of freehand. Yeah. Like where they're on the ground just holding the camera and there's just some shake. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's okay. Like get a, de- get a camera that has decent stabilization yeah. in it to get rid of some of that minute yeah. shake. And I, I will tell you this, like that lone wolf camera arm, you're not going to get a ton of shake out of it. And it's going to be comparable to anything you're going to see on YouTube. Now, if you're trying to do next level, like Heartland bow hunter stuff, yeah. super cinematic. Well, those dudes are using like, you know, well, they have a dedicated camera guy. <laughs> well, they're using cinematic cameras yeah. too. Like they're using shit like, you know, like a Sony red or they're using like, if it's a lower tier one, they're using like a, a black magic camera where they're shooting in 6k like high frame rates and stuff like that, that they can get all that cinematic slow motion stuff. Like, so it's like, unless you're doing that, you'll be cool with like something like a lone wolf custom gear camera. Arm. Cause I'm literally running that like a Sony AX 53, which is just like a 4k yeah. video camera with stabilization. And then one GoPro, that's it. You know what I mean? That's, that's the setup, you know, that's two angles. Everything's in 4k do what you said, which is I find where I think I'm going to shoot. Yeah. I put the camera there. I put it wide frame because in post, if I'm shooting in 4K, I can go in four times and not degrade quality, right? So I can zoom in if I need to for the shot. And I tell myself before the hunt when I set that up that I'm killing the deer even if it's not in frame. Like if I set it up and See, I don't have was, time. That was my problem because I was like, if it's not in frame, I'm not shooting it. Yeah. Mine is like, if I can get it in frame, cool. If not, I'll get the like recovery. I, I, had a, I had a buck that you'd seen his feet. It was like the beginning of the end, mm-hmm. and I never posted. I actually deleted all of it. It was a good like I did the whole recovery and all the other stuff. And if it's not for me, if it's not in center frame or close center frame, I'll never put it up. No, I, I just for me personally, that's just my own personal take. Right. Uh, if you're doing it, you know, if I got to put it out there, 
I said I don't have the best gear, so I need to make sure I have the best out of whatever little you know three hundred yeah three hundred dollar camera. That deer needs to be a center frame. There needs to be, you know, right. something about it. And right. I don't like a lot of my stuff. I don't zoom in. You know, I keep a, a super wide angle as, as mm-hmm. wide as it can almost possibly go. Yeah. You know, I mean that one buck that killed the mountains, uh, first mountain buck. He was like thirty yards or whatever, and you can see him. But I mean, I was pretty much he was all over the place. So I'm like, I'm zooming damn near all the way out. I'm like, I'm just, just roll the dice, you know? Right. Because he's over here, he's over here eating acorns all over the place. I'm like, just sit still, please. Like, just sit still. Right. <laughs> let me let me kill you. Yeah, because ain't nothing worse than somebody zooms in and they move it. Yeah. And it's all herky jerky. It's like, come on, man. Like, zoom out a little bit. It's okay. Like, zoom out. Yeah. Bring it out. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Well, that and you can do a lot of that stuff in post too. Zoom out, and then you can kind of pan, like yeah. in post and stuff like that, and get the same above my pay grade. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing there for filming. the uh, The next question is how to set stand locations or just hunting locations uh, based on wind and thermals. That's Under, pretty broad. Yeah. Understand your thermals and how they move or could move. Yeah, I, I would say the one thing, you know, we won't take a lot of time necessarily on this one because this, this is a question that's kind of, you know, it, it's very circumstantial, like yeah, wherever you're, you're at. And, if you're super steep, it's yeah. one answer, and swamp is uh, requires a different answer. Right, so to your point, it's, you know, pay attention to your wind and thermals, right? Understand what your thermals are going to do, what they're going to do at different times of the day. The most important thing here, I think, would be, you know, and this was something that played out for me on that Iowa trip whenever I killed that deer, was I actually set up that day, not for what the wind was doing whenever I went in to set it up. I set it up by watching what the wind was going to do throughout the day and the wind I needed when I thought that deer was going to be there. Yep. And so it's not, oh, the wind is a north wind today or right now, but I really need like a northeast wind. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, well, if it's going to be north all day, then don't hunt it, yep. you know? Or if it's going to switch north to northeast throughout the day and say it's an evening spot, you know, it's a good evening spot and it's going to be, you know, north all day and it's going to slightly start to move around like noon. And by the time it gets to three o'clock, it's going to be northeast. Well, yeah, like then I want to hunt that spot, Mm -hmm. even though the wind is slightly wrong at noon. I'm going to get in there. I'm going to set up for the wind that I need to have when I think I'm going to have a chance to kill that deer. And I always tell people don't hunt the wind that's good for you hunt the wind that's good for the deer set the stand up to where and, you're giving it up a little bit yeah. yeah you know and i've set a lot of stands up especially in the evening in the salt marsh 100 percent reliant on thermals mm-hmm. i've been burned a lot of times well that's the other thing because too. It's, it's like, like okay it's gonna there's no wind and usually when there's no wind they were rural light wind you know the thermal pool is going to just go this way and you get in there it's like it's going to oh, go toward the water right yeah it's going to just disappear you know, away from where the deer is going to be. And you get in there, like, there's no wind. You pull out a couple of milkweed. It's going, it's perfect. All of a sudden, the wind kicks up, and it's blowing, like, 
perfect for the deer, awful for me. And the wind picks up, and it's like, well, this place sucks now. Yeah. Because my scent alert just blew right to the deer. But you know, the, the weather report was like, no wind. You know, so you're like, okay, when no wind, that thermal pool is going to be money or a light wind. The thermals will overtake the light wind. You get a giant mud flat out there and it's been baking in the sun, you know, right. for an hour. So it's like it's going to just pull all that down. Yeah. And the wind's like, up yours, buddy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was the one thing that hunt in Iowa. And I've detailed this in a video and I've talked about this on the podcast. So I won't, I won't belabor it. Bore you with the details. Yeah, I won't get into the details but that was literally how i killed him because the wind was shifting throughout the day i don't remember exactly what it was that i needed i needed something that was like a like just say like a southeast or whatever and i had like a straight south most of the day you know what i mean i needed it just a little bit and it was actually blowing right toward mm-hmm. the deer but i was set up along the edge of a draw and as the sun was starting to go down the thermals were starting to pull my wind just a little bit to where he was getting a northeast or i'm sorry he was getting a southeast wind that he needed but I was actually getting kind of like a like a straight south wind because my thermal was pulling me just a little bit to like where I was running almost parallel to where he how he was going to walk in, you know what I mean? So that's an instance where it's like the wind was completely wrong for me, but with the thermal pull, yeah. it was actually helping me out yeah. and giving me just enough Thermals, room. I mean, Dan's a big thermal guy, uh, Dan Infault, big thermal guy, and I hunted with a lot of good guys in my early 20s in the gun club and this old timer always you know he was 60 probably mid 60s deer live and die by the thermals i don't know what that meant back then i was like what the fuck's a thermal don't know i don't right. know the wind i don't know what a thermal was you know but as i've gotten older it's like that it was he's right yeah you know, big deer live and die by the thermals yeah you know We've killed a lot of deer, but I've killed a lot of deer using thermals, and I've been busted. <laughs> oh, yeah. By the thermals a lot of times, so. Yeah. We'll keep with the, the wind and thermal kind of theme here, and I'm curious what your answer will be to this one. But this fellow's asking kind of like how to access and play the wind in the bull type of a terrain. Bulls? Yeah, to get in the, the bottom without getting busted. I would say, one, the bottom's a bad move just in general. Um just, I mean, the wind is just fickle down there in, in general, right? Unless you have pressure up to, toward the top of the bowl and right. you know you can't hunt that, then I would stay out of the bottom I've as had much a lot as I could. I never really, every time I hunted the bottom uh, in Jersey and even like Kentucky, always had problems. Yeah. But now PA, <laughs> up by where, where Johnny's is, all the deer are in the bottom. Mm-hmm. And so you have to go after them. Which to me is like, this is just insane. This makes no sense. The wind's constantly shifting. These deer just adapted to it. It's like they smell you, and then three seconds later, it's coming from somewhere else. Right. So they can't really pinpoint you. They know there's danger there, but they'll just be super cautious, super slow right. coming in there. You know? Right. I've had, I mean, my, milk, my milkweed just hitting a doe in the face two years ago. I mean, it's just like going off her. And I'm like, <laughs> she's going to blow any minute now. You know, and I had a buck run by a few. I'm like, blow. Just bring him back here. Like, calling card. Like, go ahead. You right. know, she's an older doe with a bunch of other, like, yearlings and fawns. I'm like, do it. Do it. You know you want to. Right. She didn't do it. Because one's going like this, and all of a sudden it was like, this way. You know, and I'm watching all the stuff go this way. So this way. So they were just, like, super cautious when they moved. All of them just, like, looking around, just being super cautious. Right. Yeah. It's interesting because, like, one of the places in that area that I've been scouting this off season. 
it's actually a bull, a bull setup. Yeah. And I actually didn't even notice it until I started getting some trail camera pictures from it and was like, okay, I need to, I need to hunt this. How would I hunt it? And I started looking and I kind of started figuring out where I would set up. And it's a, it's a bull feature. It's not yeah. super steep, you know, but I started kind of thinking through, through this kind of thinking, like, I'm probably going to start toward the top, you know, and, and maybe have a hunt there. And this would be an instance where I probably would be a little bit more patient mm-hmm. and just kind of, especially cause I've never hunted there before yeah. and just kind of observe and see like, what's the wind going to do here? I yeah. got no clue. Maybe I could get away with a little yeah. bit more on the bottom than I thought, yeah. you know, it's like, and just try to piecemeal my way through it. Yeah. And each bowl setup is different. You know, is it facing the sun? Is it in the shade all day? There's a lot of variables. Well, even just which way is the, 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 the ridge face yeah. or like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. is it South facing? Is it North is that, facing? Is that bowl get blasted with the sun all day? Is there rocks nearby? You know, is there, you know, a bluff or pine trees that's going to just deviate flow, which makes even, you know, because some, right. like you said, some of the spots on in PA, it's just, you can actually hunt them because the wind's actually down low. It's a little more consistent, you know, because mm-hmm. it's just going just down. It's more, all right, it's just going down. Right. You know, there's not a lot of swirling. I've also hunted some bowls. Like you throw out the milkweed and it's like, there it goes. And a few minutes later, it's like, oh, hey, it's here, the, hey, where'd you come from? <laughs> I know it's always like, and then you kind of sit there and you wonder what the hell am I doing here? Like, yep. cause my scent just like made a, a as big... long as your scent's up high and not dropping, it's not that bad of a deal. You right. Know? And that's why I would probably start up high and try to figure out like, is there a sweet spot yeah. for where I can set up to where I can be like whatever Bell, the action is. Bell hunts like the, he hunts the bottoms a lot. He Does like, he? he like, yeah. Scrapes and stuff like that. He's, that's crazy because yep. so much of that time that signs made it made yeah. at night in a lot of instances. And he's got bottoms. like good daytime intel. And somebody's, oh, yeah. I guess a you know, million acres of woods is different than some of the spots we hunt. Right, right. I mean, the thing is, too, and that's why this one yeah. area where I'm talking yeah. about, I'm yeah. wondering how much I can get away with because of that, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, because most everywhere I've ever hunted, if you found sign in the bottom, it was most yeah. likely made at night. Now, there's been some places in Ohio that I've hunted where it was somewhat the inverse, yeah. where it was actually the tops were like typically where most of the nighttime sign yeah, activity was taking place. Feed. Yeah, and it's just the easiest path yeah. of re- easiest path of resistance, right? It's like a lot of times where the logging roads are at, stuff so I get to yeah. log some of these you know spinebacks out and shit. So, all right, this next question is um, summer scouting best spent in known areas or finding new air or finding new areas. Both. Yeah, I got a. I, I just put a video out the other day about summertime scouting for you know swamp buck beds. Mm-hmm. I know these bucks aren't going to be in the mosquito infested swamps, and so I can go in there and actually spend a little bit more time. And with the vegetation, you know, I found these last couple of years I've been doing it. I've been finding things I missed in the winter. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, in the winter you just kind of just go through. There's no briars. Like it's just I can just go this way. It's flat. It's not much zero topography. So it's like, I'm just walking. It's like, all right, I'm just going to just walk this way. Mm-hmm. But now it's all the vegetation's grown up. Like I have to go around stuff, go here because there's a wall of briars that stopped me from going this direction. Right. I mean, I got a couple tracks where it shows me walking in February, right through the swamp. It was all frozen. Go right through it. Now I can't walk through it. There's briars this way and it's full of water. And it's like, all right, I got to go this way. And it's like, oh shit, there's a buck bed. Oh, I walk by that thing like 30 yards, like three times. And right. it's amazing buck bed. You're like, yeah. I literally walked by this thing. 
But the vegetation's like, nope, you have to go this way. And it's like, I come through and it's like, oh, look at it, it's like, wow. It's the, a beautiful buck bed. And you're like, this is amazing. <laughs> it's like, it would have never seen it otherwise. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm always torn with this question. I actually had, I actually debated Tony Peterson about this on one of the, pod, on one of the podcasts we did. Because I'll just be honest, I hate scouting in the summer. Like, I hate it. Like, it's hot. It's buggy. I just don't like it, you know. So I try to get all my stuff done in advance, and I try to just have the summer be putting out trail cameras, and I'm going in on, like, missions of, like, put out trail camera, leave it alone, go back in, check it, and that's it. And I'm just making those types of trips in. But I, I will say that I typically will use the summer to kind of re- look at areas that I'm familiar with to a degree. I don't do a lot of exploration of new places in the summer only because going back to what we talked about being a family guy, I got to prioritize the time I'm spending doing stuff. Right. And so if if I'm going to scout a new place, I want to learn as much as I can about it. And yes, I need to know some of the vegetation stuff you're talking about for access and things like that. Those things I can partially figure out if I'm hunting it, if I need to or whatever, especially if I don't know a lot about it, I'm going to freelance it because I'm going to go in the daylight anyway. But I need to get as much bang for my buck as I possibly can. So I'm spending that time in the winter and spring so I mm-hmm. can know where deer are spending time, where they're laying down sign. Like, and I don't know exactly when that is. Spending time laying down sign. Oh, you like that? Yeah, it should be a t-shirt. Yeah. Someone out there with design skills, send me a, send me a design <laughs> yeah. that's spending time laying down sign with like a big buck on it. Yeah. We'll make a t-shirt. Um, but, uh, so with that, it's like a lot of times it'll be things that I'm already familiar with that I'm just kind of going out assessing yeah. mainly access. Like, can I get in this way to yeah. an area? Right. And it's like, and I'll, and I'll hike it to see if I can get in and I'll look for sign like as I'm going through. But as you know, it's like scrapes, you can't really see, yeah. you might find a licking branch if you're really, really paying yeah. attention, but yeah. those are hard to pick out when everything's greened up. Yeah. Like you'll stumble into them once in a while. So a lot of times I'm using summer just to kind of re kind of, you know, I won't say scour, but kind of re kind of take a walk through some places. I know I'm going to probably hunt this coming year. And it's a large part of the time it's around hanging trail cameras. Cause mm-hmm. I'll just use that time while I'm here. I'm going to, I'm going to explore a little bit, you know, or I might've know this area and I've hunted this area, but I've not really checked out stuff that's 200 yards over this way. So I'm going to hang a camera and on my way out, I'm going to swing through 200 yards to my east mm-hmm. and check out some stuff over here. Yeah. And so I'm hanging trail cameras and scouting, but I'm, I'm really kind of just visiting places I'm yeah. somewhat familiar with and trying to just learn it more deeply. Yeah. My spring and like winter scouting is to like learn what the deer are doing. Yeah. That's like actually going to help me like get yeah. on deer. The summer stuff is really just mapping access and learning more about a property I'm already mm-hmm. familiar with, like the nuances of it, yeah. if that makes sense. Yes, and, I, and back to the, the relationship, because, the, you know, we had a lot going on this year. So my winter, some, you know, my winter scouting sessions were short, you know, four hours. Like I'm home by 1230, you know. Yeah. So I've been using the summer months now these last few years to, you know, get more time in the woods. And some of the sign I've, I've been finding is it's a lot a lot of beds, which like I said, with the vegetation, stuff like that. As, so I've been, I'll probably be doing it more. Um, I'd like to do some more mountain scouting, you mm-hmm. know, um, PA, I just, uh, 
time thing. So, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's hard. It's the same reason why I haven't been to Kansas. Yeah. I mean, it's a 20 hour drive to try yeah. to get out there or the one spot in Ohio or West Virginia. It's yeah. just like, it's a nine hour drive for me, yeah. which is why I went North this year and stayed in PA because yeah. big country, you know, it's closer to home, still a two hour drive yeah. for me, roughly or a little bit better, but you know, I can do that and be close enough to home to where it feels like I went and traveled yeah. a little bit, but I'm not, I can yeah. be home pretty you quickly. Focus on the, the scouting too yeah. while you're there. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, summertime scouting is, you know, 10 years ago, I'll tell you to fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> right. Now it's like, I feel like I need to do it just to get, I, I used to shoot for so many miles or time. I used to, you yeah. Know? And it's like, I feel like the summer scouting gives me that edge I need because, you know, the, when I first got married, the, I hard score scouted and then summertime to shoot my bow, not really doing much. And you could see the deer. Like there mm-hmm. was a there was a dry spell where I didn't really kill anything, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's like I get more time in the woods, you know. It's like I've been what slowly- you just said right there is perfect, right? It's like it, it, I think the whoever sent this question, appreciate you sending it. Yeah. Awesome question because it's yeah. it's always debated, right? But I think the question is faulty in the question itself because what you just said is really the correct answer. It's spending as much time in the woods as you can. Yeah. And the point being, regardless of the time of year, yes. right? The more time you can be in the timber, yes. the better off you're going to be yeah. when it comes time to try to, yeah. to, try to lay, like I want, lay I w- something on the ground. Yeah, I wouldn't be walking edge of bean fields right now. No. You know, like my sometimes scouting is I'm going looking for October bedding or something I marked like this is great in-season bedding. Right. Well, they're not bedding there now. So it's like I can, I have a free range of their, their bedroom right now, just like. In, in February, yeah. March. Yeah, because there's plenty of time now where you're not And even like February and March, like I know I'm bumping somebody's deer out, somebody's bucks out, but now I ain't bumping them out. Yeah. And I got foliage. I'm like, okay, I mean, October, it's going to look pretty much just like it's this, except very, it's, brown. So yeah. I'm like, well, that tree will be great for early season. But once these leaves die, I stick out like a sort of thumb. But that tree over there, okay, that's my tree. Come, you know mid-November. And that's one thing that you do that you're a killer at that I noticed the last time we scouted together and quickly recognized it's something I need to get better at. Like, I'm okay at picking out trees, and I usually have cover, and I'm usually okay. But your ability to pick out a tree quickly and know just exactly what you said, like, this one's going to be good for this time frame, this one's going to be good for this time frame, and you usually will have a couple trees picked out in each area that you can hunt. Because I always say I'm going to come back like I've, I used to be like I, I used to always go back. I'd mark it. I'm coming back, and I would. Now it's like I ain't coming back. I ain't got time to come back. So it's like, boom, 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 mark, mark, mark. And I take now, you know, I take a picture, you know, and all that stuff. So yep. all that stuff's marked. So if you do get turned around in the dark, you're like, wait, was it an oak tree or was it a pine? You're like, mm-hmm. that's an oak. pictures. Yep, there you go. There's that oak tree. Yeah, because yeah. I don't like to. I don't leave eye shine or anything out. So yeah, I'm just sneak in, sneak out like a ninja. Yeah. So I got to start doing that. That's the one thing I got to start doing is taking pictures and just like saving yep. it. So I know which tree I'm going to get into, you know, cause I'll, I'll pick out a tree while I'm scouting. Right. But mm-hmm. by the, I don't mark it. Like I, well, I mean, I'll mark the location. Yep. Like I want to hunt here. Yep. You know what I mean? It's like, and then I'll show up in like October and be like, which tree was that again? Yep. You know, yep. <laughs> trying to find it. But all right. This next question is a little, is this fellow switching it up. He's saying, uh, some of your, some of your favorite, most essential pieces of gear. Mm, that's a tough one. I mean, it's not tough. I mean, I use the same stuff all the time, but most essential. Yeah, most essential. Like, let's let's throw out like the obvious, right? Like, so the obvious is eyeballs. Oh, eyeballs, yeah. 
feet, yeah. uh, legs. Um, the obvious would be our bows, yeah. our arrows, our saddles, you know, and our our sticks. One of our, right? our so say the question again now. What our most our favorite slash most essential pieces of gear. So maybe we could do it two ways. Maybe we could say our favorite piece of gear, and then maybe we say because our favorite may not yeah. be our most essential. Yes. And then what we feel our most essential is. Um, for me, favorite is going to be digital scouting. Hundred percent. That is a. I come from an era like hunting. There was none of this. So people that are just getting hunting now, boy, you don't know how good you got it. It is mm-hmm. a great time to be a hunter. Right. There yeah. are access to everything at your fingertips. Yeah. And good, high quality. I mean, I remember back in the day, we used to print aerial photos out and plat maps out and like try to overlap them and stuff like that. And it's like, okay, I think this is it. And it's just like just shit quality. But we used to just carry it out. But like, I think that's that spot we marked at. Never the spot we marked, you know. <laughs> but having access to good aerial photo top of maps at your fingertips and be able to go from topo, you know, hybrid or or just satellite, mm-hmm. um, you know, Onyx based maps, Spartan Forge, whatever, right. you know, hunt stand, whatever. But uh, all right. But so, I, what's your what's your most essential then? Like the thing that you can't leave home without. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that. Uh, that it's, it's the same. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm going to have to go the same because having all that information on the fly mm-hmm. has killed a lot of deer. You know, right. it killed you know, my deer in PA last year. Um, you know, Johnny was like, "Here, pull this up." You know, and, and we're you know we're talking about it. He goes, "All right, I was here, and I'm like, I'm going to go here." He goes, "Great, go right there," and be able to just pick a spot. Eight o'clock at a bar. You mm-hmm. know, eating some food, drinking beer, and literally go right to that spot and kill a buck. Right, yeah. So I'm going to say, I'm going to go with my favorite first. And snacks. <laughs> snacks, yeah, no. Um, I think my favorite piece of gear, and, th- and this changes, right? Yeah. But for right now, I think my favorite piece of gear is the new Kenetrek boots I got. Uh-huh. Like. They're just, I've worn them all year scouting. Shameless plug. Yeah. Can a trek? What's up? I don't, I don't work with them at all. Like those, I, I bought yet. those. I anyway. Pay, yeah. Actually, if they want to send me some boots, I'm not, I ain't too proud to take some boots, you know, but no, they're, I'd worn Solomon's for yeah. a bunch of years and, and they just would never last a season. They're comfortable as shit. They just won't last a season. Like they I get I, beat up on tree stands. Yeah. And the saddle platforms. Yeah. That. And like, I just would, they would always, they would always constantly leak. Yeah. Like I could only get probably. I mean, they wouldn't even make it through scouting season. I wouldn't even get to hunting season. They would already be leaking. Yeah, mine's both, both pair of Solomon, same yeah. thing. It's like, how do you not? It's Gore-Tex. Yeah. Like, come on. Well, the membrane just wears out. And like what I've really kind of learned, like without that, without leather, leather is yeah. kind of like that first barrier and you can make it. Well, you can reseal somewhat, leather. Well, yeah. that you can make it somewhat watertight. Yeah. And so when that membrane starts to wear out, you still have the water sealed, yeah. you know, aspect from like your leather or whatever. So I got a pair of hard scrabble Kenetrek boots, which are probably a little stiffer for white tail hunting. You'd probably be more of a Western boot, but I like my boots kind of stiff because I also don't like want my, my drinks. Like my drinks. Um, but I wore them all year hunting or all season scouting in muck, mud, water, didn't leak. Yeah. And they they didn't break in as quick as the Solomons, but like they yeah. on them harder. They're harder, boots. yeah. But they're but they broke in pretty well. I didn't get any blisters or anything like that. And like really like them yeah. like i'm looking forward to hunting this year in them i think my essential piece of gear 
is, and I'm not going, like we said, like we're not going with like bows, saddles, because yeah. those are things we're yeah. always going to use. My essential piece of gear is the same as yours, which is my digital map. Yeah. Like having it on my phone, like. It's it, addicting. It's addicting. It's awful. But it's shortened <laughs> learning curves for properties. Yeah. You know, it's just made it easy to find my way to like, you know, this oak tree or this terrain feature or back to this scrape or, you know, quickly kind of, if nothing else, quickly mark off places where I don't want to be yep. where I'm not going to go for whether it's pressure reasons or the terrain just doesn't look good, you know, or what topography doesn't look good, whatever the case is like it has just expedited my learning curve on properties that I'm not familiar with. So it, it's helps me when I go freestyle a place because at least I have, I may have not have been there. Yeah. You know, but at least I can get a sense of like what the terrain is going to look like and what my approach might be, you know, because even if I haven't been there, I will mark a handful of spots where it's like, I think I want to check this out. I think I want to check this out. I think I want to check this out. And I'll start freestyle hunting my way through those places. Now, I often don't make it to all of them because mm-hmm. I'll end up finding sign along the way that takes me off course. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to hunt this. I'm going to hunt this. And then the hunt changes as the hunt plays out. Like I just let the woods tell me how I'm going to hunt it. But I at least go in with a plan. You know, and that to me is the most essential thing because I'll literally make a new plan while I'm in the tree. I'm like, oh, this sucks. Yep. You know, I'm not seeing any deer thought I was going to. It's 1030. I'm moving. Where yep. am I going? Let's, Let's go over here. You know, that uh, it's just having all that stuff at your fingertips. Yeah. And even access to people. You know, I mean, how many mm-hmm. times have I called somebody, you know, what do you think of this? Mm-hmm. You know, and they're like, go for it. And yeah. then, like, it, it plays well, out. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. I've done that with you yeah. where I've sent you a pin and been yeah. like, hey, I've got intel of this area. This is what I'm thinking of doing. What do you think? You know, your response is usually kill. Yeah. Like, that's usually, <laughs> like, I get, like, a one-word text back from you during the season. Or if it's bad, you'll yeah. tell me, you'll give me, you'll say, like, I don't know, what about this? You yeah. know? But if it's a good plan, you're like, kill. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I get the one Short word. and sweet. Gotta that's keep. right. That's right. Plant that seed. That's right. So I think we've been rolling here for about two hours. I think we'll take a break, take a pee break, come back for another sesh. How do you right. feel about that? All right. Cool. All right, folks, that is a wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank all of you for listening. And if you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating. And hell, while you're at it, head over to YouTube and give us a sub there too. I'd be super appreciative if you'd be able to do those two things for me. And before I shut this thing down, I need to give a big shout out to our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible. Tethered, Exodus Outdoor Gear, Skullbrew Coffee Company, and Maven Optics. And until next time, we'll see y'all. All right, gang, the new Truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on YouTube below any of the Truth From The Stand videos. I've got some new hats, beanies, t-shirts, long sleeve t-shirts, and sweatshirts. There's even a new do hard shit hat for those of us who like to embrace micro-dosing adversity. So head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, and save yourself some cash on the new gear go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave.
Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.